Coming to you from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Join us as we take a deeper dive into mead and mead culture. Oh, yeah. Well, even <laughs> even without the editing, uh, cursing is is allowed. We yeah, Fra- it's a podcast Fra- yeah. about alcohol. Although it's funnier if you replace curse words with non curse words. That's true. <laughs> I'm gonna replace all my curse words with goat noises today. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'll do hee haws. Oh man, get the blah out of here. That's ridiculous. Hold on. Let me let me look up some old like Icelandic curses or something. Basically, all right, we're recording. Yeehaw! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Meadcast, 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 meadcast. <laughs> Tonight, uh, we are going to start out a series of episodes that deal with one of the coolest parts of mead. If you listen to one of our past episodes, Why Mead, you know that one of the things that makes mead so cool is it's linked in with cool Viking shit. Or rather, cool Viking hee-haw. Uh, <laughs> and so the, this is going to be a series about Norse mythology and some of the stories that are behind not just mead, but but the Viking culture as well. And so I am joined, as usual, with the one and only affiable transmitter himself, Evan Anderson. Evan, welcome to another episode. Oh, thank you for having me on, Nick. I always appreciate being here. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, and we've got a special guest who will be discussing this Norse mythology and cool Viking shit because he is a cool Viking guy himself. We have Halbjorn, our in-house drinking horn miking. Miking? <laughs> well, he's miked now, so here he is. Uh, Halbjorn, welcome to this episode. Ah, yes, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm the miked Viking. The miked Viking, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, well, hopefully we'll all be um, meated Vikings uh, tonight. Do we all have a, a libation that we're yeah, going to be do. sipping on? Sure do. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm going after a strawberry, mm. but it's a an even older strawberry, and it's it's uh, even better. But I don't think I have any more of it, so I'm just gloating about it, I guess. <laughs> did, it, did it dry out perfectly like the last one? Oh yeah, this is this is mm. one of the bottle stainers. Mm. I loved that one. One of the bottle what? Stainers. The, uh, yeah, we got a batch of fruit that like it, the aged ones that we've had around for about a you know year or two years. It actually stained the glass. The strawberry stained the glass, and which is crazy. It's organic fruit, like it's it's just strawberry, but it uh yeah it adhered somehow. Oh man, some sticky icky. Sticky, icky, but it was one of my favorite batches, and like, the longer it ages, the better this one gets. I mean, that's a lot of oh, meads, yeah. though. You know, time is time is their friend. Mm. Yeah, and that's something that uh, I'd like to to delve into on, on maybe another episode is some of the science of aging. Uh, that'd be really mm. cool to do. Uh, but that's not what we're here. Oh, Hobby, uh, what are you enjoying tonight? I am enjoying probably something from the same pile that Evan got his... Uh 
his strawberry from. It tastes like pineapple, but it's got a red hue to it. Hmm. I don't know what and that it, is. It's a mystery bottle, right? Correct? Yeah. Yeah, we have the mystery pile. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like pineapple. Like the sweet pineapple, not like the original dry pineapple, but it's really good. Nice. You never know what's in awesome. the mystery pile. Sometimes we do experiments and bottles get left in there for drinking and you just never know what's in there. It's fun. Yeah, I, I've <laughs> never know it the meat hoard. <laughs> With a D at the end, correct? Well, yes. Because <laughs> a meat hoard is something totally different. Okay. Yeah, that's me. First, uh, <laughs> that's you. <laughs> I was going to say that would be our first edit point, but you saved it. You actually saved an edit right there. <laughs> Nick, what are you enjoying? Hey, Nick, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. even introduce myself. I'm one of the co-hosts of this uh, Meadcast. I'm Nick Irvin, and I am enjoying uh, the last little bottle that came off the bottling line the other day of Bluetooth uh, that me and Evan uh, bottled up, and I am going to be adding to it some ginger, so just uh, a little mm-hmm. mead cocktail, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I'll pour a little bit of that as we listen. Oh, I just, I always love that sound. It does. It makes me happy. Like I've already, I've got a full glass and that sound still makes me happy. (laughs) And here's one of my second favorite sounds. Although that's ginger beer, not a regular beer, but that's okay. Although we should make a braggot at some point, which is like a a grain, a grain mead basically. So it's like half beer, half mead. Mm. Beautiful. Well, would the, I mean, uh, I guess in uh, in theme of our discussion here, wouldn't the Othroder be a technically a braggot? Almost, I guess, but it was, because uh, it was, it was from a, a beer barrel, first a whiskey barrel and then a beer barrel, and then uh, and then we got our grubby little hands on it and filled it with mead. So it could be, it could be a braggot. That's a good place. That's a good, I mean, uh, Nick, unless you, you probably have somewhere specific you want to start. Hmm. Um, let's kind of do a Quentin Tarantino and talk a little bit about, well, you guys just did, and then we'll go into the mythology part and then we'll come back to how we, uh, represented the story ourselves in our own mead. So you were talking about specifically a beer that drinking horn made. Um, yeah, I'll let you guys kind of discuss that. Yeah. It's a, a mead beer that, uh, that we made and Paul Bjorn performed the proper ritual and everything, and we we call it mm-hmm. Othror, so it's supposed to be uh, mead of the god. Well, Paul Bjorn, I'll let you I'll let you explain. Uh, yeah, sure. So I mean, it's it's called Othror. Um, I've seen some pronunciations of Othrir or Othrorir, uh, but it more or less refers to the same mead that is found in the sagas and eddas of old Norse legend. Um, and you know, what we did with this mead was, uh, we threw it into a, a, a barrel and we barrel aged it. It started out as, I believe a Woodford reserve bourbon barrel. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Um, and then dark sky brewing here in Flagstaff, Arizona actually threw a, a dark stout into there, I believe, or was it a porter? Yeah, it was there, uh, roasted and toasted before the, mm. uh, coconut and marshmallows were added. Nice. Yeah, nice. so it was a base, uh, a base stout um, that was, yeah, like Evan said, usually added uh, some ingredients post fermentation, but this was pre fermentation, so basically Dark Sky's base stout recipe. Nice, nice. Yeah, so then, and like Evan said, we got our grubby hands on it, and we threw a seventeen percent alcohol mead into there to age. 
Yeah, 17, 18, somewhere in that realm. Right, yeah. But uh, yeah, and stuffed it in there and aged it for a little while, and it uh, it came out amazing. It was delicious. Oh, it is to this day still like my favorite mead that we've ever that we've ever produced. Hmm. Awesome, yeah. And we'll look forward to more barrel aging here in the future. We got kind of came to a little screeching halt on the <laughs> on the barrel acquisitions due <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> little coronavirus that's going on. Um, but that's about yeah. I don't want to delve too much more into the until we talk about why we did what we did with that barrel. Pardon me. Uh, me this meat is carbonated now. Um, <laughs> and um, and then we'll come back and talk about the uh, the Otroer, uh from Drinking Horn after that. So we're talking today about one of the more popular stories that can, comes out of Norse mythology. At least it's one that I hear about a lot. And that is the meat of poetry. How basically this specific mead was created and how Odin got his hands onto it and how it got to us. And so there's a lot of cool, fun details in the story. Um, and I think that's what's cool about this mythology is is the storytelling part and the characters are just wild. And some of the things that that happen in these in these myths and stories is is just it's kind of weird. We're gonna, you know, this these as is with me and Evan and now Halbjorn and this mead cast, it, it gets a little weird. <laughs> Indeed. Why don't we start off? I mean, we have we have Halbjorn here to tell the story. So I'd like to just just kind of sit back and make kind of, you know, quirky comments here and there um, and ask questions about it. But really, uh, Halbjorn, it's it's your stage, man. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, you know, before we talk about Othroder uh, or the, the meat of poetry, uh, we can't. We have to kind of go through the the, br- the a brief introduction into the Aesir Vanir War. Cool. And so the Aesir and the Vanir are two sects, so to speak, of uh, the the Norse pantheon. You have the Aesir, which were kind of the civilization gods, the builders like Thor, the sky god like Odin, who was also the Allfather and the the head of the pantheon. And then you have the Vanir, who were like uh, the agricultural gods, the the gods and goddesses of fertility. So that's where Freyr and Freya, her, his uh, their brother and sister, and one, you know they're both representing fertility. Um, you then have Njord, which is the god of the sea and all that other stuff. All the other stuff. Um, uh, but then you know the, the, it was at one time that these two groups of gods were at war with each other. They were killing each other. They were, you know, at a genuine war. And what that kind of can probably tell us is that there were two separate religions in Scandinavia with their own prospective gods. A war of gods has got to be something to to behold. I mean, we're talking not just, you know, uh, probably like swords and cannons and all that stuff. We're talking about god powers just battling it out. That's got to be nuts. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, you've got uh, – although the thing is is that we don't necessarily know a lot of the, I guess, powers that were being used or anything like that because a lot of the weaponry that was given to the gods is as a result uh, – is resulted after the Aesir Vanir War. Oh, Mm-hmm. Okay. So hmm. Thor's hammer um, and uh, uh, Odin's spear and Freya's uh, Freya's sword—they uh, all came in after they had already conglomerated into the same pantheon. 
So hmm. we, we can speculate that not only in mythology, but also in actual real life, you have these two separate sects of gods that, you know, th that were at war with each other. They didn't like each other. There was a bit of a holy war. This could have been before the Viking Age or even in the Proto-Germanic or in the prehistory of histories of Northern Europe. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it's really great. And so the story goes that, you know, they fought this war and they realized that they had to, uh, to, to settle their differences and to make a truce. So they, uh, they did so by spitting into a cup. Oh. <laughs> As you do. Uh, That's the way all wars should be ended, right? Like, let's just yeah. get together and spit in a cup. Yeah, they spit into a cup or a jar or a tub. Depending, I mean, it depends on the translation. Um, but the idea was that they all unified, kind of, I guess, you know, you know, one of those like high school era sort of like you know, uh, spit shakes or something like that. You know, <laughs> that you 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 conglomerate the spittle or the saliva, and now you're your brethren. You're you're part of the same pantheon. Yeah, I think me and Evan did that back in 2015, 2014, somewhere, oh, okay. sometime around there. We're not supposed to talk about that on the podcast. Oh, sorry. We are not Spittle Brothers. <laughs> that was something different. <laughs> that's, so So is that something that's, that's found in other stories uh, of that time, or is this something that kind of came out of nowhere? Actually, you know, I think... I'd have to do more research, but I think that there was a similar story uh, with the not not only just the Aesir-Vanir War, but also with the spill and the creation of another being from it, which we'll get to here shortly. Uh, in I think India, the, and we can kind of speculate that it was the you know Indo-European myth that all spawned off these different mythologies and pantheons. All kind of came from the same area of you know Eastern uh, Eastern Europe and you know and and there and and beyond. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be kind of a thread that goes through a lot of things. Is You've got these these characters and these um, mythology things that are, um, yeah, that carry this common this common theme. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. for for sure. Especially if you've read Joseph Campbell. Um, uh, Camus or Campbell? Campbell, like the. Super oh, sorry, I got distracted there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Camus is a completely different thing. Yeah. All right, so these guys were at war uh, with each other. They got a truce. They spit in a cup. Um, what happened next? <laughs> uh, well, to maybe uh, make it a little less weird, but still a little weird and gross, spitting in a cup could have actually been uh, sort of an allegory for how they made mead and beer and ale back then, that they would take berries and chew up the berries and spit it into the same thing as kind of a, a, a part of the process. And so then what happened is that the, you know, they have this ball of, bowl of spit and they, you know, wanted to do more with it. So they created a new being called Kavasir. Uh, there's some uh, debate on whether he was a god or whether he was just a normal human being. Uh, but the general consensus was that Kavasir was a, the, the smartest man alive. He could answer every single question and any question that anybody posed to him. He was he knew he he was the embodiment of knowledge. Damn, I I think wasn't that your nickname in middle school, Evan? The I embodiment wish. of knowledge. The embodiment <laughs> of knowledge. I sure thought it was. Oh, that was yeah. <laughs> uh, so. 
Yeah, there, so there's it, some yeah, oh. there's some versions of the story where he actually like uh, became a mediator of the gods, and you know they traded hostages and switched over people and things like that. We preach you none of the fruit at Drinking Horn. Just yes, this oh. this we can guarantee. <laughs> and that actually, and then I'm interested in this dude, this this all knowing kind of guy. Um, but when you talk about that you made a great connection with that spitting in and making ales and, and beers and stuff because there's mm-hmm. chicha, which is a drink. I, I know it as like the Peruvian drink and it became kind of not famous, but known in the beer community because of dogfish head. They re he Sam went over and went and watched this whole thing happen where they chew the grain, spit it into a, you know, a, a jar or whatever, chew more grain and keep going. And, um, so chicha is, is just that it's, it's the women of the village chewing on this grain and spitting it and using that as part of the, the beer. And as science wise, it makes sense because we have amylase, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Evan, you're, you're a bio guy too. Yeah. Yeah, So amylase. amylase. Sorry. Yeah. And what (laughs) is, no, no, Evan, what does amylase do? Uh, it just converts the sugar from from one side one style into another and makes it into a a form that's more usable for the yeast. I mean, I think you know you know that better than I do for sure from brewing, because um, honey is honey comes in a usable form for the yeast, so it, it's quick and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but for a grain, it has to be converted from these long chain starches into shorter chain sugars that the yeast can use, just like you said, Evan. Um, and amylase is an enzyme in our saliva that starts, it's actually the beginning of the digestive process for, for all people is that first bite. That's why if you take a little piece of bread, I know we're getting pretty off topic here, but you take a piece of bread and put it in your mouth. If you let it sit in there for a while, it'll get a little bit sweeter. And that's because it's broken down into smaller and smaller sugars. So, so if you left it sit there long enough, it would start to ferment. (laughs) <laughs> that would that would take some some dedication. Wow, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I can chew on a cracker for that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, someone out I'm there. We should look right that now. up. <laughs> yeah, I got a really good You want some? Yeah. So yeah, all you all you Nick, I didn't know that there. you spoke Old Norse. <laughs> you know after a couple glasses of meat it just kind of comes out you know <laughs> just like my oklahoma accent <laughs> so yeah so Hobion, that's a great connection you just made there with the spitting into a jar and it's connection to an alcoholic beverage so that's cool but in this case they didn't make an alcoholic beverage they made a, a spit god <laughs> yeah a spit god of knowledge yeah a spit god of knowledge yeah. Well, and and as another connection, Kavassir, uh, I think, actually literally translates to mushed up berries or, or you know, crushed berries or something <laughs> like that. It, kvass means fermented something or other. And actually, we actually uh, have a version uh, called kvass, and it's usually in Eastern Europe and Russia, that it is sort of this fermented beverage. It's uh, Some people kind of uh, call it liquid bread. Mm. And it really is just, you know, kvass. It is just this this fermented beverage that has gone through all of Eastern Europe and Northern Europe at one point or another, and is still quite popular in a lot of Slavic countries. Like we have kvassier too. What? I only know it from like references and rap songs, but <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that has a connection. Oh, very possibly. 
Probably. Cavassier. I mean, it's right there. I mean, the whole word right there. So we've got this guy, this this uh, spit god of knowledge, Cavassner? Cavassier. Cavassier. Yeah. yeah. And so just to recap, we're talking about this North Miso- North's mythology, uh, the meat of poetry with Halbjorn the Viking, uh, Evan and Nick. And so what happened with this this uh, I'm, I won't call him a spit god anymore. I'm sorry. So. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's the god of knowledge, or I guess god of poetry. You could also call him. Uh, and again, there's some arguments as to whether or not he is a god, because uh, we'll oh. shortly learn that his life was kind of short-lived. Mm. Oh. Um, yep. So I'm gonna just think of him as kind of the Norse Yoda for now. Okay, we can we can go with that. Baby Yoda. <laughs> Maybe not Baby Yoda. Baby okay. Yoda doesn't have the experience. So. Just checking. <laughs> Uh, but so Kavasir, uh, after he either becomes is a mediary to the gods or is the result of the gods becoming more or less one pantheon, uh, he wanders the earth or he wanders the nine realms of Yggdrasil and he goes out and he just dispenses knowledge to everyone because he knows literally everything. If you ask him a question, he knows the exact answer. He, he really is the uh, the embodiment of knowledge. Damn. We could use him right about now. Oh, for sure. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. What, it, what is the vaccine? How can we make the vaccine for <laughs> right. COVID-19? By the way, if you guys are listening to this in the future, uh, I hope that you've almost forgotten about COVID-19, the coronavirus, because we just uh, kicked its butt. But um, that's right in the middle of where this podcast is happening. So what was that, Evan? We need him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could definitely use uh, use him now, use Kavas now to answer some questions i got some things to ask that guy yeah for sure for sure uh but of course we can ask him anything because his life is indeed short-lived uh during his travels he actually went to svartalfheim uh uh, svartalfheim is the land of the dark elves uh a lot of people will recognize dark elves from you know different mythologies including you know uh current like old uh, like old world mythologies but also from newer mythologies like you know the elder scrolls and warcraft and stuff like that uh but the dark elves actually there's a lot of consensus saying that the dark elves were equivalent to the dwarves hmm. yep they, they were uh, svart alpha literally means dark or black elf uh, but they were more or less the dwarves. And so while he was traveling through the, the home of the Svartalf, the Svartalfheimer, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, guttural translations and a lot of, you know, sneezing going on. <laughs> but as he was traveling through Svartalfheimer, uh, Svartalf, uh, he was, you know, beset and invited to the house of two dwarves by the name of uh Oh, Fjallnar and Galar. Hmm. Um, and I think, like, one... Fjallnar means deceiver and Galar means screamer, I think. Something like that. Uh, but with the word Fjallnar meaning deceiver, we can kind of tell that it's not going to pan out well for Kavasir. Oh, boy. Yeah. So they invite Uh-oh. him to his home, which is probably, you know, uh, nothing out of the ordinary because he travels the realm in the pursuit of actually giving people all knowledge and answering their questions. And these two dwarves, Fjallar and Galar, actually kill Kavasir. What? Yep. They kill in their home and he they drain his blood 
and put it into a vat, and they actually add honey to that blood, and mm. they brew a mead out of it, and that mead is what is called Othror. We also add no blood to our mead. Current. Yes, there's no blood in the mead. Oh, I w- that was going to be my question. <laughs> so no, no blood in our mead. Uh, yeah. Not yet. Not yet. There, there is blood in the process sometimes of all the hard work from Evan. So, so Evan's blood, <laughs> sweat, and I've seen tears uh, go metaphorically into the mead. Right, Evan? <laughs> That's right. All in metaphor. Yeah, and most of the blood comes from your hands. I'll tell you what, it, it, I've never met anyone that comes close to injuring their hands as much as Evan does. Kelly said I should have gotten stitches on that last one, but the super glue worked. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, super glue is basically like liquid stitches, right? That's what they invented super glue for, is seal and cut shuts. I or... actually saw a bottle of that at the meadery <laughs> the it. other day. Yeah. Sealing <laughs> shut cuts. <laughs> Ceiling cuts shuts. No. Oh, this Shut. is good mead. Oh, good wow. mead. Yeah, this is good mead for sure. <laughs> uh, can we do a little quick uh, skull in the middle, a little intermission oh, yeah. story here? All right. Can't can't see Hobbyorn, but clink. But we're clicking with you, Hobbyorn. <sighs> oh, I know. I'm already <laughs> drinking out of the bottle. Skull. So hopefully everyone listening to the Meadcast is enjoying a nice glass of mead as well. Unless you're driving, if you're commuting <laughs> or, or driving right now, do not enjoy our mead in that sense, but enjoy it sitting down, listen to this Meadcast, listen to a little Norse mythology here on episode whatever this happens to be <laughs> uh, here with Halbjorn and Evan. All right, so so this amazingly... Like, I mean, a, a part of the world that is a gift, this guy who can answer basically any question given, this god of poetry, this god of knowledge, is tricked into hanging out with these two dwarfs and, and they just straight up jack him. They just, oh, they're like, for sure. They, yeah, they 86 him. Boom, yeah. 86 done. No, and they, they, take they his... know exactly who he is, too. Like, they, they want that knowledge for themselves. And it actually turns out that the mead that they brew uh, with his blood basically imparts the same exact powers uh, of Kavasir to whomever drinks it. Oh, well, no wonder they wanted to do that. So now they have this mead that when they drink it, they're all, you know, like smartened up, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so of course you can think it is a valued commodity. And these dwarves, I mean, they are, there's a lot of examples of kind of Good dwarves and somewhat good dwarves, but uh, Fjallar and Galar are by far evil, evil dwarves. Yeah, uh, sounds they like are, it. No, they are not not good dwarves. They are not good people. Uh, and that's actually evidenced as well, because after they make the mead, uh, they eventually end up killing two giants. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, no, they, they, they end up actually... Uh, so they they tell the gods that Kavasir's disappearance was the result of him having too much knowledge, and he was suffocated by knowledge, and so he lies to the gods about his disappearance. Uh, Literally so, yeah. suffocated by knowledge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's the excuse that they give. Um, so, but then of course uh, he kill. So the, the Fjallar and Galar kill a giant by the name of Gilung. They drown him to death. Uh, they're very tricksy, tricksy people, and uh, they they drown uh, Gilung and his wife. Um, 
I can't remember her name. Gilding's wife. Oh, man. Giant, yeah, killer wife. And, well, and the thing is, they kill her simply because her weeping of the loss, uh, weeping at the loss of her husband, is annoying to them. Well, perfectly yeah, good. Well, they, they, yeah, they draw. They drown Gilling, which is the first giant, and they throw a millstone at the head of the giant's wife, killing both of them. Um, and so then eventually, Suteng is the son of Gilung, the son of the giant, the first giant that he that, that they killed, and he's wanting vengeance. He 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 ties them up to the uh, to to the beach at high tide, and will eventually dr- he he wants them to eventually drown like he, the, they did to his father, but Ooh. they bargain with him for their lives for the meat of poetry. Okay, can we can we take a step back and, mm-hmm. and say so he put them somewhere where the tide was going to come in and that was going to drown them? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's a that's a little evil. I mean, they deserve <laughs> it. I'm not saying they don't. Oh, deserve for sure. It. Well, but, there were some evil dwarves, but that is harsh. Yeah, and and, and I think to be fair, uh, we, he did the, they did the same thing to his father Gilong. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they drown, and and I know Evan is big. In, you're big into tide pools, aren't you? Like yeah. that's one of your. If you had I a do. choice of, like, last things to do on Earth, I think tide pooling would probably be what you would choose, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like, if there was only serious. one thing I could do for the rest of my life, it would be just tide pooling. It would be fantastic. <laughs> okay, so yeah, sorry, I had to like just rewind and yeah. make sure I was getting that right that they that they did that kind of harsh death but uh, yeah the dwarves deserved it well but to be fair actually, there's a lot of harsh deaths in Norse mythology <laughs> <laughs> I bet but he actually didn't do it right you you're about to say no so they actually bargain with him for their lives they said that they would you know pay penance for killing Gilung um and they give him the meat of poetry and so this meat of poetry uh, which is in three vats, by the way, uh, by different names. One of the names is Othorodor. So it's the name both of the vessel that creates or that, that, that holds the mead, as well as technically the name of the mead itself. And so now it becomes the property of this Sutung. By the way, Sutung uh, actually, I think, means heavy with drink. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so of I course forgot. he's going to take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot that actually was your nickname in middle school, Evan, right? <laughs> drink. Yeah, <laughs> that that probably fits a little better. <laughs> Hashtag Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, so uh, the, so Sutung, the yeah, yeah, Sutung has this mead now. He is now the owner of it. And for some weird reason, Fjallar and Galar kind of just... You know, they disappear in the sagas and essays. We don't know whether or not he actually does kill them. I'd like to think that he takes the mead and lets them drown anyway, because they really are very bad dwarves. <laughs> so Bad dwarves, yeah. So Sutung is now the person who has the mead, and he has actually put it into a mountain uh, to, to protect it. And this mountain's name uh, is Nitbjörg. That's where uh, I put there- everything I want to keep safe. Just deep oh, in a mountain. Too? Yeah, deep in a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> so so if anyone's York, looking for some of those special meads, that's that's where you keep them? Stay away from my mountain. <laughs> stay away from my mountain. Because all the mead is here. Paul you didn't know quite there. what you were jumping into, did you? <laughs> oh, no. no, no. I mean, I, I kind of knew. I, I, I actually saw that uh, the mead cats are on Spotify, so that's a good thing. 
Yeah. They are. They, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this Meadcast and enjoying it, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast, which I guess no shit you're listening to it already, so you knew where to find it. You but, already um, found it. Yeah. Smash the subscribe button and leave us a review. Review, review, <laughs> review. So if you're enjoying it, that would be a huge favor, and it'll only take you like three minutes, and we love you forever. forever we might forever. even stick you in a mountain because we love you. We're going to put you in a mountain just like uh, the the giant did. So uh, this meat of poetry that was given or created by the dwarves and then taken as penance by um, a giant, uh, Sutton? Sutton? What's his name? Sutung. Sutung. And so he took it and he stashed it in his mountain. I'm guessing it probably didn't stay there. Uh, it, no, uh, it did stay there for a while, but it eventually did not make its permanent home there. Okay. Uh, so it was in Nitbjörg, the mountain, and it was guarded by the daughter of Sutung, Gunlod. Now, Gunlod has some, uh, a little bit of a, 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 a thing to do with how the mead kind of stopped being in the mountain. So Odin actually now heard about this this mead. Uh, he oh is always restless in in his pursuit of knowledge. He you know he took out his eye to get foresight. He hung himself from Yggdrasil and stabbed himself with his own spear in order to learn the language and learn the learn the secrets of the runes that were given to the Norse people. He oh. is really really just hell bent on actually acquiring all the knowledge that he possibly can. That seems to an unhealthy level. <laughs> uh, yeah, more or less, more or less. He actually, you know, it comes to the fact that, you know, it's unhealthy to him, I guess, because he eventually ends up knowing all and becomes omnipotent to the, to the point where he knows exactly how he's going to die, when he's going to die, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. Uh, but that's a story for another time. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> So, so he became uh, impotent or er, omnipotent and, uh, <laughs> and died. We don't want that mean. <laughs> he he, he no. basically sacrificed himself to himself. Yeah. But before that, he found knowledge of this mead and he's like, I got to have some of that shit right there. No, of course. And so he finds out about this mead and there's lots of different steps that he takes to get that mead. He ends up killing, like he ends up tricking a bunch of farmhands into killing themselves with their own scythes. Uh, what? Yeah, it's, it's a wild story. A lot of people think of Loki as the trickster god, but it turns out they're all trickster gods. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's always been my view of the gods. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, a little bit of time. Do you know any details about these farmers that killed each other? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, basically he's looking for this mead and he kind of knows exactly where it is. And so he's disguised as a wandering farmhand. Uh, and he goes to, I think, Sutung's brother, uh, Baugi. And he, he, they're moving hay, and he sees all these farmhands moving hay, and they're using their scythes. And he goes up to them and pulls out a whetstone wet out of his pocket, and he says, "Hey, I'll sharpen all your scythes for you." And so he, you know, sharpens all their scythes, and they are amazed by how much or how how good they sharpen these scythes, and they all really, really want the, the, the this whetstone because it's the best whetstone in the nine realms. Uh, and so he, what he does, he throws it up, and they all inadvertently kill each other with their own size, trying to grasp at this whetstone. Seen it happen? Yeah. Have you? <laughs> oh, yeah. no, never. 
<laughs> I've only seen a YouTube video of it. Now, that's crazy. So, so he throws this whetstone. So- By the way, he just happens to have a whetstone in his pocket. Like, oh hey, check this. Oh, out. he's Odin. I mean, c- come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. You wouldn't believe what's in those pockets. I bet deep, <laughs> deep pockets. That's probably one of the untold stories. Uh, of of Odin's powers is that he has pockets that just has literally anything that he wants in that moment. That yeah, he's got deep, that. deep yeah. pockets. He's only got one eye socket because he gave it up to the get the knowledge. And now you know that he's going to get the college because I can't think of a word that rhymes with knowledge except for some made up chronology. His name is Odin. He's getting the mead. He's got to go to a mountain because you'll see he's going to meet a giant, actually giant's daughter. And then he's going to make her get a little hotter. Actually, Ooh. is going to make her get a little hotter. I oh, think. she! Oh, she's going to get nice, hot, and ready, uh, as we'll uh, we'll learn here. So after he kills all the farmhands with the scythes, he goes to uh, Baugi, who is the brother of Sutung, and it's a boring story in which like Odin ends up doing a season of harvest for Baugi in return for the mead, and Baugi agrees. But of course, you know, Sutung didn't agree to that, and he's very angry, and so Baugi and Odin both kind of team up together to drill a hole into the mountain to get to the mead. And and they use, I think in one version, it's a tusk that they use to drill into the mountain, or it could just be a hand drill. I like to think it was a unicorn horn. Actually, that... That that could actually be a part of it, you know. I mean, that that, that could definitely be a a thing because unicorns were a big uh, staple of the Scots, uh, which borrowed a lot of their mythology from the Norse. So, but we digress. Oh. <laughs> as, as we do. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they drill into this mountain, but Baugi is actually trying to trick Odin. He doesn't know he's Odin. He just knows he's this farmhand. And so once he drills a hole into the mountain that goes all the way through into the, I guess, chamber uh, that the meat is being held into, Odin immediately turns into a snake and wriggles down the, the hole. Baugi, realizing kind of more or less who he's dealing with, tries to stab him with the drill to no avail. He, Odin goes right through into the hole and worms his way into the uh, into the hole uh, as a snake and finds himself in the mead chamber with the three drafts of mead all being guarded by uh, Gunnold. Nice. Gunlod. Got in. Got into the mountain. Yep. And so, you know, uh, he so once he changes from a snake, he turns himself into a, a, a charming man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes up and he's, you know, wanting that mead. And Gunlod is, you know, they said, no, stop. I, I'm guarding this mead. Turns out that he's very suave and he actually agrees to lay with her for three nights. Dang. That must be good. Yep. It must be good. We don't know how ugly or beautiful Gunlod is, so we'll have to see. Like, we don't really know, but like the idea is, like, he lays with her for three nights, um, and that was you know, and so she agreed to allowing three sips of mead, uh, for the three nights spent with Odin, who she doesn't know who's Odin is just this charming man. Hmm. Odin nice. takes on a lot of disguises. Yeah, and this one. This one must have been pretty good, because not only is he he's charming and suave, but she's willing to to pay for it in mead for these three nights. That's damn, yeah, Odin. Oh, hey, yeah. but turns <laughs> out that Odin actually has a pretty uh, pretty big mouth or a pretty big throat because his three sips actually is 
the, the, the three drafts of mead. So we got these big barrels, and he takes them all in in three drafts. He just drinks every single drop of this mead that's being, uh, that's being guarded by Gunlod. Damn. Like a pelican. Like That's the kind of exactly. sips I take when my wife offers me a sip of her drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll only take a little bit, honey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing. It was like I only want one bite, but because I have a big mouth, I'm able to like eat like half the burger or steak that or whatever. That was three quarters of the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Odin. Not only does Odin have Evan's handsomeness, but he's also got his appetite. <laughs> if only we could all be as beautiful as Odin. Did you just hear that silence after I said that? <laughs> right? I love it. We're like, uh... So he spends three nights, and for those three nights, he's supposed to take three sips, but he ends up gulping down. Now, I'm imagining he's keeping it in his mouth. Did he Did he actually drink it, or did he just keep it in his mouth? So or? the general consensus is that he actually keeps it in his mouth. Uh, and then I did hear you say something about a pelican. Some people actually do kind of say that he turned into a pelican afterwards. Oh, oh I got uh, it right. Even though there's not a lot of pelicans in Northern Europe. Oh. Uh, yeah. I know. So what he actually turns into typically in uh, in the stories is an eagle with the mead still in his mouth mm. or in his throat. And he flies out of the mountain. Of course, Sutung, the, the giant, kind of realizes what he's up to and it, it takes hot pursuit. Nice, a chase scene. It's always great to have a chase scene in a story. Right? Oh, Every sure. good story has it. Yep, for sure. And so they're just chasing. He's this eagle who's flying. Uh, Sutung who turns himself into an eagle as well to take pursuit. And they're chasing and they're going. And he's on his way to Asgard. Uh, Odin is on his way to Asgard. Uh, and uh, there's some speculation on the story. Some version says that he's laden down with the amount of knowledge and the amount of mead, and so he spits a little bit over Midgard. Uh, Midgard is Earth, or is uh, you know the land of man. It's the middle fortress. Is it? It's so. It's like Asgard is where a lot of the gods are, and Midgard is where the humans hang out. Is that? That's where we are. Uh, yes. Pretty much. Ah, okay. Where we are is Midgard, uh, which is actually kind of, you know, uh, short from the giant's realm, Jotunheim. Supposedly in the Norse mythology, Jotunheim surrounded Midgard. Uh, and Midgard actually does mean uh, Middle Fortress, uh, but a lot of people actually also call it Middle Earth, which is actually what Tolkien, uh, that's where Tolkien got the, the name oh, Middle Earth from. So. Really? It okay. all ties together. Yep. It's starting to. That's cool. That's actually, yeah, nice. Dropping some knowledge. That's sweet. Uh, but so anyway, so he drops a little bit of knowledge, whether he gets to Asgard and a little bit of it drips out of the the, the augers that uh, the, the Aesir and the Vanir and the gods all brought from him, or whether he spilled a little bit in order to lighten himself up a little bit to uh, to, to continue the chase and to, uh, to, to get to Asgard safely. But eventually, the mead finds itself in Asgard, in the possession of Odin and all of his retinue, all of the Aesir and the Vanir gods. But that's where we got our Othoror, right? Is this this mead that fell out of Odin's mouth? And I mean, some some accounts are not as good as mouth, 
Um, right. So it's I like the uh, idea that okay, some there, fell so out of So there is Odin actually mountain. an Anglo-Saxon painting, and I hate this painting so much. <laughs> the, the, there's an Anglo-Saxon painting where he's actually pissing it out, <laughs> and I I just don't I don't want to think like that. I don't. I, I'd rather say that he spit it out. You know, the like, spit yeah. dribble is bad enough. It doesn't need to be the other. Yeah bird right. defecation and so yeah Halbjorn is not a fan of the bad poem or the bad poetry the bad, well I suspect uh, that it was probably an image created by Christian monks to kind of bad mouth the pagan deities oh oh, oh yeah I could totally see that they're like it didn't come out of his mouth it came out of his ass Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but okay so <laughs> so, so mouth uh, Odin eagle mouth dribble uh, came down and landed in in Midgard. Is that correct? That's where mm-hmm. we are. And so we have some of that. That's where we get our mead from. Well, not so much mead. Uh, mead has always been kind of a part of the Norse mythos. And this wasn't necessarily the first instance of mead, but this was mm. kind of the origin of poetry, of oh. inspiration. Mm. Like uh, and actually, uh, the word, uh, the name Othrorer, uh, Evan knows this because he had to deal with the TPP on this one. Uh, Othorora means the stirrer of inspiration. Oh. Yeah, TTB did not like that at all. They they were having a hard <laughs> time with me using another language on the bottle. Really? Okay. Yeah. So can you can you talk about that process just just a little bit? Yeah, so by in putting it on the bottle, like you you can have a a fanciful name that you can put on it, but you also have to have a type designation. Every wine bottle will all have this on there. So it'll say, you know, what it is, where it's from, what year it is. Um, and then you can add a fanciful name. So we don't get very creative with a lot of our names. It says Strawberry Mead, if it was Strawberry Mead. Uh, Bluetooth and Othror are the only ones that end up, up having that. Um, hmm. And so it's, you know, it's it's just kind of, it was tricky with the TTB because they wanted a definition of what that word means and to get a flat, straightforward definition is not straightforward. And so by like, well, at first it you called, called, it, uh, called it the meat of poetry, right? Right. And because of the high alcohol content of that one, they didn't like me saying that it was translated as meat of poetry. Um, so we, we ended up saying that it just in general means like mead and it was more accepted. It was, I don't know. It was, it was a bunch of hoopla. So, so I'm going to hit, you know, hit the e-brake and like spin out here and stop that. What they didn't like that it said the meat of poetry because of because high alcohol. The, correct. So if you go too high in alcohol, you can no longer call it mead. It becomes other than standard mead. And you that's can't what we just have to call label it, it as. And that's what yeah, you'll see it on the bottle wow. it says other than standard mead. Um and so you can't just put it as mead. And so if the name Othoror meant mead of poetry, then that would be essentially us trying to call this a mead when it was other than a standard mead. Like o- OTSM, other than standard mead or whatever. I would think that mead of poetry would actually be the, the added adjective or the added, you know, adver- the, the added description to make it other than standard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it really doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, at least to me, there's probably in the world of wine, it does make more sense. We'd love for somebody out there to chime in and help make sense of that. 
Um, but like they for TTB, they just have to have their class designations. And it's really mostly all about like tax collection for the most part, because if it falls into a different category, um, then you have to pay different taxes on it. So higher alcohol content mead has higher taxes on it. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and this is just one example of how the meat industry has a lot more, I'm going to be nice and say, you know, learning room in how to allow mead to flourish because in the craft beer world, our beer labels were anything basically, as long as we had a government warning, we could put whatever we want. Um, so just, I don't know, a little, <laughs> or a long yeah, is there something, side note. So to digress a little bit, is there something similar with, with IPAs that you have to say that it's an IPA? No, no, we, oh, no, okay. we could make an IP. Honestly, we can make an IPA and put on the label pale ale or saison or stout it's i mean that'd stout. be terrible marketing for yourself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um you're gonna get probably in trouble by your customer that base but as far as just like an ipa yeah now <laughs> this is i'm saying this in lieu of over state lines distribution so we can talk all about that so this might be a separate issue totally yeah because we go over state lines with all of our internet shipping and everything else and so we have yeah. to follow TTB standards. If we were only following state of Arizona standards, I think it's a little more relaxed. Yep. Well, and I the, think the story that I heard that you said, Evan, was that you you called the TPB and said they they asked you what the, does Otharoter mean, and you said the mead with poetry, and they said, well, we technically can't do that because it says mead in it, and you said, oh, I'm so sorry, and I from what you told me, you hung up, and then you <laughs> called them five minutes later. Uh-huh. And then and then they asked you again what does Otharoder mean? And you said, "Oh, well, the literal translation is mead or is uh the stir of inspiration." And then they okayed it after on that basis. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love that story so much. Hence why I like to say <laughs> There's a lot of ways to translate that word. <laughs> well, the literal inspiration is Otharoder. Uh, or Othor right. or Othorir or whatever it is. It's, else. Yeah, it's the origin of inspiration for sure. So I, I think it's it's fair and fitting still. Oh, for sure. Well, and actually Othor or Othor um, is, is, so we notice that the name Odin, which actually is pronounced Odin, hmm. uh, the, the D is actually supposed to be like a hard TH like you would have in the word the. Hmm. Um, and so it's Odin. And so Oda or Odi or Othor uh, actually is sort of a, a name or a word that means madness or passion or, or inspiration. Nice. See, I was doing well within the bounds. I like it. They could all fit together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So let's dive right into the creation then of this this amazing barrel aged mead that drinking horn put out because that'll tie it. That's the story right there. We had Odin uh, grabbing the Otharor and the other two meads and dripping it down. And you guys were like, that's a rad story. Let's make a mead. And so Evan, where, when did you catch wind of this, uh, this story and this idea, or was it a kind of a, a build up somewhere else? This guy. Oh. All from all from Hobbyorn. All from Hobbyorn. It really like, okay, uh, cool. my my knowledge and everything on, on Norse mythology and everything else was, was relatively minimal. You know, I was definitely into mead. And uh the, the story of, of how we, we met Hobbyorn is actually 
pretty great. I don't know if we want to get into it on, on this one. I'm going to wait. I don't know if we have time. Like, I came in, what, two weeks before you guys were even open? Yeah. Or yeah. we guys well, were let's, even open? We'll, we'll, we'll actually, let's, let's do that over. We'll say that uh, we'll just somehow leave a teaser for folks about, about okay. that. We'll cover it in another podcast. I just sniffed yeah. you out. Right. I think as our as our fans and our family are here listening to the Meadcast and and even as it grows, I think the stories of the employees of Drinking Horn, which really have stuck since the beginning, uh, would be a a great uh, story, a great time to tell those. So yeah, look forward to or look for now. Drikia Horn Saga. Horn Saga. We're not. It's Drinking Horn. We're we're not really into turnover. We we like it's it's a family. Mead's a family. Yeah, well, absolutely. Drik, yeah, Drikjarhorn means drinking horn. Drikjarhorn saga, the the story of drinking horn. There we go. Oh god, I love that. Yeah. So uh, if I don't edit this out, um, look forward to to those episodes where we where we discuss uh, our our family, uh, our yeah. saga, and so story of yeah. the mead wise. So mm-hmm. we uh, got, like we said earlier in the episode, we got the uh, the barrel from Dark Sky, who had, had gotten it uh, previously from fill in the blank whiskey. Woodford uh, Reserve. Woodford Reserve, yeah. We'd previously gotten the barrel from uh, Woodward, Woodford Reserve. And uh, and we we went and got the meat into there, and uh, we did a whole little ceremony to to help officiate the whole thing. Hobbyorn? Yeah. I blessed it with the the kindred hammer and uh, gave a, an offering to both Thor and Odin. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, and it was you know, it was blessed. Yeah, you can. You, there's even a video on Facebook of it. That sh- that yeah. makes that shit real. So if you check out the Facebook page, and as we release this episode, I'll re-release that video of Halbjorn performing this blessing on the barrel was the mead in the barrel at that point no it was was not it had to be blessed before the mead goes into it yes gotcha it was it was already fermented at that point so it was already mead uh and so i just blessed the mead before uh actually before they put it into the 55 gallon barrel okay so you bless the mead not the barrel uh yes, uh, the the mead that went into the barrel it was already fermented. I think it was already at its seventeen percent alcohol uh, point. Uh, nice. but we they then put it into this oak barrel and it turned oh man it turned out really great. It basically tastes like whiskey without the burn with a nice uh hint of vanilla and caramel uh from the the stout that was put in there previously. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we'll look forward again to, I keep saying look forward, look forward, look forward. Um, definitely get stoked on our barrel fermentation and barrel aging program of drinking horn as soon as we can get our hands on some barrels after, you know, this, the whole coronavirus kind of drops out. Uh, and so we had Halbjorn, our Viking, blessing this mead to go into a barrel. That's got to be that's rad just to watch and just to experience. So Evan, where did that mead come from? Does that, was that mead purposefully made for a project like this or did Halbjorn tell you this story and you're like, I've got a mead for you? No, no, we made, made the mead just for it. Um, we're starting with something like this where, where, you know, barrels only 55 gallons or whatever. So, um, we ended up, 
adding, I mean, it was uh, 300 pounds of honey that we fermented uh, before going into a 55-gallon batch. Yeah, it was a lot of honey um, just to get up to that high alcohol content, you know. And um, so it was definitely something that was thought out beforehand. It was, it was something we wanted to do planned. One of my few planned adventures. <laughs> what was the the recipe was it kind of the the traditional recipe but just amped up honey wise yeah traditional recipe and just amped up honey wise uh anytime you're doing high alcohol stuff you have to really keep a careful eye on uh, ph um and really be careful be have a good nutrient program for it so you make sure that it's getting fed the whole way through otherwise it'll it there they can stall out pretty easily but this thing was a monster and it's uh we're we'll be going higher next time because uh we definitely can. <laughs> nice. And Hobbyorn, was this your first uh <laughs> your first mead blessing that you'd performed? It it actually very much was. I, I'm I'm proud to say that it was, and I'm proud to say that it's been, you know, somewhat recorded. There was a little bit of, you know, uh, um uh, there's a there's a little bit of pre-sanctifying of the mead hall and you'll see it in the video on facebook it's it's kind of it's kind of funny it's kind of silly uh but it, i actually did put a lot of great uh, energy into it and it really was truly blessed and i i'm proud to say that it was i'm sure yeah that's awesome that's that's such a great story and and one that i look forward to being a part of uh, more and more uh of these of these adventures that are that are taken in in the in the world of mead, wonderful world of mead. So it aged in the barrel for how long? Ooh, not as long as you would think. From a lot of what we saw, like you don't want. Uh, it was the third use on a barrel, <clears throat> and so it was in there for I think only about three months is what it was. It wasn't like we left it in there for you know years and years and years, and it it picked up an amazing amount of that flavor. You can taste the whiskey. You can taste the stout, you can taste the barrel, and you can taste the mead. Um, so it's it's all in there. Um, barrels in the in the desert here are kind of funny because while we have barrels, you have to water them every day. So like someone would have to come in on the weekends and water the barrel just to uh, to keep it wet because that that angel share out here in the desert with seven percent humidity or whatever is uh, it angel share can be your whole batch. <laughs> and if you're wondering what angel share is we're not going to tell you right now we will have an entire episode or two or three on barrel aging in the process uh in the future or if you're listening to this in the future you can look it up in in one of the episodes so in the in the desert yeah we've got this dry low humidity so you got to be careful with the the staves or the wooden bars uh they I mean, can it is shrink called up. the arid zone Right. We are. We are. Even though we're up at seven thousand feet and we have pine trees, it's it's the high desert. We're still very, very much a uh, evapotranspirative high evapotranspirative area. And so, um, getting back to the mead in the barrel. So that's great. Uh, that you guys took. A, it sounds like a lot of time on this and really thought it out. And Hobbyorn, that's awesome that you that you did this this blessing on it. And we have that mead out amongst our family out there, our fans and our family, because even tonight we had someone send us a picture of the bottle sitting next to their computer. They were enjoying a bottle of Othoror. Um, and that label really pops because there's something on there. What is that symbol and what does that represent? Uh, so that is actually what is referred to as the triple horns of Odin. Ah. 
uh, it is three interlocking horns in sort of a triskathir or sort of a uh, kind of a knot work sort of style, but very, very simple. Yeah, and it's called the, the Triple Horns or the Three Horns of Odin, and it represents the three drafts of mead that Odin drank uh, to gain this eternal knowledge and to give it the, uh, the, the inspiration and the poetry to Midgard. Ah, gotcha. The threes. Yeah, three is a very used used number in, in like stories and, and mm-hmm. symbols. So that's that's awesome. I had no idea. Like I, I, I read about the three different vats and the three different meads, um, but that triple horn is representative of that. That's awesome. And you guys put that on the label and created this beautiful label, this beautiful mead. How many, do you remember, Evan, how much actually came out of that? Um, we ended up, I mean, we pretty much, there wasn't a lot of sediment or anything else like that out of there. Um, we ended up getting out pretty close to the, to like 53 gallons or something out of there. Nice. And, okay. uh, right now the only, the only bit of it that's left is, uh, saved for our mug club members. Sorry. Mug club members. <laughs> what per se is that, Evan? Well, check out our website and learn more about our mug club memberships. And you too could be drinking a bottle of Othoror. You could, as as well as many, many other, you know, perks as soon as we get this mead hall opened up. Um, it is looking beautiful. And if you are listening to this again in the future and you know about our mead hall in downtown Flagstaff, you've already experienced the great and hard work that uh, Evan and Kelly have put into this place. Um, it's just, it's just looking awesome. And so, yeah, look up the Mug Club membership, become a member, a member, become part of the family. Because yeah. this is really, meat is a little bit different. You know, a lot of libations, you know, beer, wine, distilleries. Sure, there's, you know, a family atmosphere. But this mead thing, I, I have a good feeling this is this is something different. This is something special that you guys are creating right now. It's the newest thing. It's the newest, oldest thing out there. <laughs> nice. I like it. We're going to put that somewhere. <laughs> All right. So uh, we talked about the story of the meat of poetry. You guys made a meat of poetry. That is awesome. I hope everybody out there learned a little bit about not just Norse mythology, but about drinking horn. And we are going to end this episode. We've talked about this beautiful story about the meat of poetry. And we're going to end with Hobjorn giving us a little segment of the blessing that he put on this mead so thank you evan thank you hobbjorn skull 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 all right this is from the hovamal they are fey they are friender they are sjarfarit sama in old strir they are adregi them er ser golden getter they are fey, they are friender, they are sjalfarit sama. Eg vidain adat aldrega dir, domur umdalbun ver. Cabal die, kindred die, every man is mortal, but the good name never dies of one who has done well. Cattle die, kindred die, every man is mortal. But I know one thing that never dies, the glory of the great dead. Skull.